Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we are back on the Culture Corner, and in just a second, we're going to talk to Miss Sandra Booker. She's a wonderful, we had her on a few weeks ago. She's a fabulous uh, jazz blues singer. She's a uh, writer, actress, uh, dancer, pole dancer. She does all kinds of stuff. She plays all kinds of instruments. And, and Sandra, are you there? Yes, I am. For first things first, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sandra. Happy birthday to you. I know it's your birthday today. How's it been so far? Thank you very much. It's been wonderful. Um, it's just nice to feel loved and, 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 and hear from friends that I hadn't heard from in a while because we're all sort of in this pandemic uh, state of shock, yes. if you will. Yeah. But uh, it's been a beautiful day, and I'm going to go to dinner with my best friend tonight and get out for a little while. So Great. Good. Good. Good for you. And, you, you know, yeah, I, I knew there was some reason I... I felt comfortable with you my sister's birthday was the third march third i have a lot of march march birthday friends so uh pisces uh-huh. is good so uh so you and again we apologize have technical difficulties today we can't play your song today but we're going to play the entire thing next week we're going to give you a whole segment play the entire song until we meet again it's beautiful i listened to it earlier today so tell me about how this single came about um, this single came about, um, unfortunately, due to the untimely death of Dr. Derek Finch, who was one of my best friends, and he was, gone, he was going to be a writing partner for me. Um, but uh, tragically, he was killed in a car accident uh. the same day that he had turned in his dissertation to get his Ph.D. from the uh, USC School of Music. And it was also his fiance's birthday. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it was just a tragedy on top of a tragedy. And when I got the news, I was just in a state of shock. I was devastated. Um, and I went back to my hotel room and I wrote this song within 15 minutes. It was really a love letter to a friend, me saying goodbye to a friend with the hope that maybe someday, somewhere, I would see him again. Mm-hmm. And the memories that we made as, as friends are the memories that I hold on to because that's why he never leaves me. That's why he's never left my life. It, it, and the memories that we made together were just beautiful. So I wrote this song uh, 12 years ago at his passing, and it's taken me 10 years to be able to sing it without crying. Wow. But with so much social upheaval, um, social unrest, police killing, and then if, as if that wasn't enough, when COVID struck, I felt like I needed to release this song to other people and maybe just let it be a beacon of hope for them to not take life for granted right. and to make life better for everybody. Yeah. Wow. And this is produced by yourself and Robert Turner for the Booker Group music label. Tell us about uh, who's playing on it. Actually, because of COVID, I was not able to use um, what I would call live musicians. So um, Robert Turner, who is a brilliant pianist and organist, um, did all of the tracking, and so. Uh, but he played the he played the organ, he played the the keyboards, and then we programmed the drums. I did all of the background vocal arrangement, mm-hmm. and I wrote the lyrics and the music. Because some people are like, well, you know, who wrote the music? I wrote the music and the lyrics for this song, 
Good for you. And um, Peter Voda, who was the mixing and mastering uh, engineer on this, also lent some um, of his talent to the background vocal arrangement. I wanted something that really gave you a sense of a small black church. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That feeling, of, you know, that close knit choral feeling that you get when you're in uh, that church environment and that, that plaintive sign of uh, wailing kind of a, a background vocal sound. So I combined a lot of elements in this mm-hmm. music. I stepped uh, pretty far away from straight ahead jazz, mm-hmm. but it had jazz elements, it had that gospel element, but it had that funky Herbie Hancock vibe. It has that spoken word narrative of a Curtis Mayfield, and I and I yeah. hope that, that um, old school uh, church feeling of a Donny Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did combine a lot of things. So where can where can people hear this, or has it been released? Where can people hear it? Um, you can pre-order it on TuneCore. Can you hear it? Um, you will be debuting it on your week, and thank you very, very mm-hmm. much. And it actually drops on March 30th. This is the first single from um, a recording project that I'm doing called Songs from the Eight Board. It's about the music of New Orleans oh, and great. the culture of New Orleans and the you know, how we celebrate life and how we celebrate death and how we celebrate food and, and all of the things that up uh, New Orleans. So I'm really, really pleased about this because it lets me, it lets me get into various styles of music that I can appreciate and grew up on, actually. Mm-hmm. So did you write everything on this album, the songs from the Eighth Ward? Yes. Wow, good for you. And so t- tell me about the the writing process. I'm always fascinated by this, whether it's me- people who write music or writing words, books, novels, and that kind of thing. I write, I don't, I've never written any music. I think I'm a pretty good interpreter, but I've never written any music. How does that, I know different people have a diff- different processes. Do you hear, do, do the words and the music come to you together? Do things come to you at two in the morning? Or do you wake up at one and say, all right, nine o'clock, I'm going to go sit down at the piano or whatever and, and write something. How does that work for you? Normally, it's for the story. It's of a melody that's in my head, and it just goes over and over. And I, you know, it, it gets to the point of okay, I got to put some paper because it won't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, some songs come to me very fast. In the case of "Until We Meet Again," I literally had written the poetry of it and the melody of it within 15 minutes, and then I, you know, started adding the chords and what I wanted it to sound like. Um, and then some songs, you know, they're just labor of love for a long time. It's like I have a, a hook, but I don't, it's not saying anything. So it varies. For me, it varies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of those just like, you know, at 8 a.m. I'm going to be up and at the piano or yeah. at not one of those people. I really try to let the music write itself. And I know, speaking for myself, if I start to, you know, make it contrived, it just, it, I mean, I'm WB frog, like, rah, 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 bit, there's nothing there. <laughs> but if I let it, <laughs> yeah. if I just let the story come out, then I feel more like I'm a vehicle for it, and it's just channeling through me, mm-hmm. and I put it on the paper and I'm there. <laughs> I wrote a song called Lullaby, and, uh, it, you know, it, the loss of the children at Sandy Hook oh. inspired me to write that. Yeah. Um, I have a anyway, I refer to 
and it's about a boy. It's about an interracial relationship, and a boy invited me to his senior prom after another boy rescinded because I was black. So I write about you know what I know. I know I write the experiences that I know. And, and do would you do would you say I've heard this from other people and I have found it just you know different things that this COVID period this sort of lockdown and this sort of we've been forced to be more introspective and define more solitary creative things to do have you has that have you found yourself writing more and more in the last year? Absolutely. For me, this is really a mixed gift. I'm fighting. I've been able to weather this pretty well, and I don't even have students at the moment. But I've taken the to get myself a picture of the grades. I'm a wonderful guitar teacher, um, Ben Thomas. I've been taking pole dancing classes online. Um, I've worked, you know, local workshops, and anybody that's offering free classes on making or film editing. We often say we should have more time, and now we all have this time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are you using that time? So right. I've tried to encourage other people to use the time yourself for better, just make yourself a better person. Yes. You know, read self-help um, on depression, on, uh, you know, get in your house and just dance. Yeah. You know, there's nobody around, yeah. and you don't have parents because there's literally nobody watching you. Right. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, I don't think, you know, if you if you want to be a chef, you know, work on your cooking, work on the basics of French classic cooking or, mm-hmm. you know, French uh, uh, classic Chinese cooking. In my case, you know, I've tried to improve my culinary skills by way of cooking a lot of French Creole food and New Orleans Creole food because that's the cuisine that I mm-hmm. appreciate most. But there are things that you can work on right now. I think when things really do open up, people are going to want, pardon the expression, the most bang for their buck. Yes. Yeah. And so what used to pass as, okay, people are not going to want to invest their money and their time in that. They're going to want something that really makes them feel like they've had an experience. And as artists, to have this downtime doesn't mean it should be time that's wasted. Right. You You know, if you're a writer, write. Yes. You know, put up a one woman show. I, I, I hang up a black background in my living room and I've just been reciting my poetry and I'm going to start uploading that poetry to my YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. I want to use this time. So when I can go into a theater, I've fine tuned that work. I've fine tuned that piece. Yes. So that it's something that people really can have an experience with as opposed to I just tossed something together or I took, you know, five tunes out of a fake book. Right. And yeah. if that's what you do, that's cool. But I think it's just a great opportunity to better ourselves as individuals. And I think if we did that and we found happiness in that, once we're able to be more social, that's going to just create a better community, better society. And based on what we've been through, I think the last <clears throat> four years, I think we all should be working towards making a better society for all of us yeah i think i think you're right i think i hate to think of the piece some people that might be wasting this time that are just sitting around mad, mad and angry and feeling sorry for themselves and mad about masks and this and that instead of t- making use of all this time yes to be creative Pract- practice your songs paint write dance whatever you do cook whatever you do creatively is work on that now's the great time to do it so then you know when it's all opened up you can you know invite all your friends over and you've got this great new dish that you can cook or this great new dance you can show them or this great new song 
Yeah, it's. it's I think it's really important, especially. Or you just house. I mean, all yeah. these people are stuck at home. It's like get in your house, clean your house, fix it up, fix yeah, fan, yeah, do a little painting, mm-hmm. you know, polish your floors. Clean out things that you haven't used in 20, 30, 40 years. If you haven't worn it in 10 years, chances are you're not going to wear it. Yep. You can be donating those things. You know, I can't go and volunteer at the animal shelter in my community, but you know what I did do? I went through my cupboards and I found things that I know I could give Donate. to yes. shelter for dogs. Mm-hmm. So old blankets, yes. old towels, they can use those things. Yeah, those are things that are going to make the community better. Yeah, well, I told people if you're really bored, go out, talk, get your neighbors, right? Get ten of your neighbors and say. We're all going to get brooms and we're going to sweep up in this area yeah. in front of our own homes and make our neighborhoods beautiful. All right, Sandra, I want to tell them real quick. So the singles, Until We Meet Again, we're going to debut, debut the entire song next week, the entire thing. And it's from the album Songs from the Eighth Ward. Uh, music and lyrics written by Sandra Boker. So I can't wait for that. And congratulations. Happy birthday. Have a wonderful dinner tonight. And um, congratulations again on, on the new album, the new song. That's, that's fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me back on. Love you guys. Okay, love you. Have a great day. All right, we'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a bit. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. Hey, welcome back to The Culture Corner. Right now, let's talk about, just real quick, just real quick before we get to the bigger story of the segment... Kevin Michael Richardson is going to be replacing Harry Shearer as uh, Dr. Hibbert on The Simpsons. It's sort of this moment to sort of cast a... Previously, we've talked about how, like, on The Simpsons, they're starting to do this thing where all the characters of color are now going to be played by characters of color. Uh, Actors of color, yes. So instead of having them played by Harry Shearer, who has graciously given up the role, Mm -hmm. saying that they should go to people Mm -hmm. of color, but he, even though he says, like, oh, well... I played them pretty well, and I agree. He did mm. do a good job playing mm-hmm. those characters, mm-hmm. but it's a good opportunity to give other actors I, a I, chance. I agree, yes, absolutely. And by the way, here's Maura Wilson, in case you don't remember her, Bonnie. But that's the subject of our conversation, oh, yeah. Maura Wilson. Yeah, so tell, tell me about I hadn't heard this story. Tell me about this. So Maura Wilson actually released a piece, an opinion piece. You can read the whole thing for yourself, but it is one of those things where she talked about how she was felt sexualized as a child and that she felt very ashamed in one of those things where she felt a connection to Britney Spears mm-hmm. in that sense. Now, I, a quick question. You sexualized in her career and, and that people made her as an actress or at, at home personally or both? Um, I think at home she felt more um, 
closer to being a child, but okay. she was talking about her career as career. a child okay. actress. Okay. Now, Mara Wilson quit Hollywood at the age of 12 when she made Thomas and the Rail- uh, Railroad Engine. She made a movie, but she's most famous for the movies Miracle on 34th Street, Matilda, and Mrs. Doubtfire, where mm-hmm. she played the little girl in each one. Mm-hmm. And she got a lot of success. And even Roger Ebert said if she were to continue her acting career, she would be a mm-hmm. star mm-hmm. so she had a lot of praise and a lot of love and she was very famous for having a lisp and that was sort of seen as her trademark mm-hmm. um characteristic now mara wilson said and i and i'm gonna quote her it was cute it was cute when 10 year olds sent me letters saying they were in love with me it was not when 50 year old men did uh, oh, absolutely i agree with her 100 <laughs> percent. yeah that's not cute no and she said that I saw many teenage actresses and singers embracing sexuality as a rite of passage appearing on the covers of lad mags or in provocative music videos. That was never going to be me, I decided. Mm-hmm. I had already been sexualized and I hated it. And she went on to say that she felt that even though she acted in a lot of like family comedies, she always felt that there was something kind of strange about grown adults saying that to her. And... Mm-hmm. She also said she was always uncomfortable with the idea of people asking her, do you have a boyfriend at that age? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She had said, you know, I mostly acted in family movies. Yeah. The remake of Miracle on 34th Street, Matilda, Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire. I never appeared in anything more revealing than a knee-length sundress. Yeah, she never did seductive roles that I recall, yeah. Certainly not. She, yeah. And, like, here's the thing is that, like, it's kind of sad that she got that type of conversation, uh, that type of, like, not even conversation, mm-hmm. but that type of harassment at that yeah. age, it's horrible. And yeah. she said that she, she also said that before she turned 12 years old and before I go further again, trigger warning, because I'm going to talk about pornography. She said mm-hmm. that even though she didn't do anything sexual and I'm, I'm glad she didn't do yeah. anything in those yeah. movies. Right. She said before I even turned 12, there were images of me on foot fetish websites and photoshopped into child porn every time I felt ashamed. And she said, Hollywood has finally resolved to tackle harassment in the industry. And I, w- but I was never sexual, but I was never sexually harassed on a film set. My sexual harassment always came at the hands From of the f- media and the public fans. Yeah. 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 And I think we've, I think we've been having this conversation for a couple of weeks now, Bonnie, where I feel like we, I think the Me Too movement have finally moved away from Hollywood or at least has now included us. Branched out, branched out. Yeah. And it's included us and it it makes me feel bad because it's like, what did I do to, did I do anything to perpetuate this? Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, I obviously didn't visit these websites and I obviously didn't do this. Right. Right. But it made me realize like, did what can I do to like make sure this type of yeah. stuff doesn't happen? A question for you: What's her? How old is she now? And what's her career? Has she, has she sort of back in Hollywood, or she left Hollywood forever? Or what's what's sort of her career future? Does she say that? Mara Wilson has been is thirty three years old, and she has been a writer. Mm. She has been okay. writing a lot of stuff lately, like novels or scripts, or she's written stuff for this uh, for the stage. Okay. She wrote a production called "What Are You Afraid Of?" Weren't you that girl in Cinderella? She's also wrote in a lot of pieces, um, editorial for, kind of stuff, editorial for mm-hmm. Crack dot com, mm-hmm. um, Public Color, and she also produced a couple books, mm-hmm. so uh, her good, own memoir and good all that. for her. And you know what? I, I have to tell you because I'm a writer. Writing is 
so cathartic when, especially when you've gone through or going through or have gone through something traumatic. Writing is one of the best things you can do. Absolutely. And she also said that um, one of the saddest in incidents in her career, which kind of breaks my heart, is that a reporter called her a spoiled brat when she honestly stated she wanted to spend her 13th birthday at a party instead of granting interviews. She wanted to spend time with her family. And now see, that that's just ridiculous. It's, she has the right to do that. She's not a spoiled brat just because she doesn't want to do an interview with you, Joe Schmo. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's yeah. really sad because yeah. I think it, it hurts because like, I like her stuff, mm -hmm. right? And I think she's a great actress. I always liked her, yeah. But you know, I'm glad that she's found some peace and that Framing Britney Spears, this documentary, which please watch on Hulu, it has given a lot of people this cathartic moment of finally mm -hmm. being able to speak out. Speak out about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to come back and talk with, oh, it's music day, uh, another musician, Michael Carr. He's got a jam, big jam coming up on Sunday. We'll be right back. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we're back on The Culture Corner, and uh, it's kind of music musical guest day today. We're now joined by a buddy of mine known for a while, wonderful musician, Michael Carr, who is uh, hosting a Pro Jazz Jam that's back, yay, back this Sunday at the Roadhouse. Hey, Michael, how are you? Bonnie, so nice to hear your voice after this bit of time. Yeah, so so you guys are back now. I know there was there was a little bit of controversy about um, the sound. I think the noise ordinance in the town or whatever, and so kind of postponed. But now there's a, a jazz patio. So tell me how all that evolved. Oh, well, it's just politics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I kind of figured that. But we got it all figured out now, and um, seems like Palm Springs is um, on with us about. Um, having some live music outside at the Palm Canyon Roadhouse, so uh, we're excited about that. And so um, how many, you have a jazz jam, so you have a band and then people sit in. So how many how many players are in the, the core group? Well, the band's a quartet. Okay. Um, this, this week it'll be piano, upright bass, drums, and me on sax and flute. And who else is playing? Uh, Dave Ring's playing piano, and um, Jim Watson's playing uh, drums, and uh, Clarence... Um, Really? I know this guy so well. <laughs> uh, uh, too early in the week for I the mean, day. Okay. So it's Clarence and he's on what, bass? Yeah. Okay. Right. On bass. Okay. And so tell me about um, uh, how, how you for, format the, the jam. Do you, do you have a lot yeah. of singer, singers show up? Do you have a, musician, a lot of musicians show up? Do, you, do people sign up? Do they, how many, do they do one song mm -hmm. and then sit down? Or, tell me how you, how you run it. Yeah, right now we're not doing it so much as a jam or as a performance, mm -hmm. you know, because with the COVID thing and right. um, in effect, so we all get figured out and everybody gets their shots and everybody's feeling comfortable. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I, th I, I Clarence think that's Robinson. Oh, okay. Clarence Robinson. All right, great. One of those hard names. Yeah. So tell me about, uh, you know, I know that all, all we, us creative people, artists, singers, answer, you know, actors, et cetera, uh, this has been, COVID's been hard. It's been hard on everybody, but I know a lot of live musicians lost gigs. So what have, what have you been doing? How have, been, how have you been keeping yourself sane? Have you been doing some of the Facebook live streams from home or writing music or how have you dealt with this sort of year of downtime? 
I've been having a great time. <laughs> okay. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I never had so much time to look at videos on on the computer. Mm-hmm. And after I found out that my, my two favorite saxophone players, John Coltrane and, and Michael Becker, have played hundreds and hundreds of performances, it's like my, my studying, you know, both my saxophone work, my flute work, and my piano playing has, has grown exponentially. It's, it's been sort of amazing. It's like, mm-hmm. I went, wow, I want to come out of this and be really ready to play. Yeah. And I, I truly am. I'm playing better than I ever played. And what what do you think? And, and well, yeah, I was just talking to Sandra Booker about this a, a couple of segments ago about using this time. The people who are wise, especially creative types, if you're smart, you're using this time, this or have used this time, this downtime, to yeah, hone your craft, learn learn new songs, practice your instrument, learn how to cook, learn a new dance step, right, whatever it is, rather than just kind of sitting around and moping and whining because you're not out doing live shows. So um, my, my dance steps haven't improved. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> Come on, Michael. See, I thought I knew you. I thought you were known all over town for your dance steps. That's what I heard. Two, two left feet. Okay. So, so if you if you had to describe what's what's better, if someone came to hear you, let's say on Sunday, and they had heard you a lot, you know, a year ago, two years ago, or whatever. What what's but what would what do you think they would notice about your playing? How is it better in your view? Well, you know, it's 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 smoother. And uh, I've got more range than I ever had before, and it's way more creative. My understanding of harmony and my my ability to go inside myself and just connect and let things happening is is better than it's ever been. I mean, it's it's a kind of my dream come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's been a really. I've I've seen I've seen a lot of silver linings to this whole thing. I mean, COVID is horrible. Obviously, obviously it's horrible. People have died. People have been sick. The businesses have shut down. That's all horrible. But when you're if since we can't change all of that right at the second, I think you you know take, finding the silver lining in this experience and some of that is honing your craft, your creative craft or art, whatever that is. Taking this time and doing that. Now I know you you play a number of instruments. The your two main ones are are saxophone and piano, right? But you play a lot a number of things correct yes, saxophone and flute are my two main flute instruments. okay saxophone and flute piano is the number three down the totem pole yeah okay but, and, and that's all i'm playing now i'm not okay. even singing anymore i'm just playing jazz playing i i've added so many new tunes to the book mm-hmm. and difficult stuff you know but really creative material i've added a whole load of joe henderson stuff to the book i mean the music that we have to play now is wonderful and 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 I can see in, in people's eyes when they're listening to it mm-hmm. it's really touching their hearts mm-hmm. so that's kind of like as you know what we're supposed to be doing you know we're just supposed to let this come through it's it's not about us you know right absolutely and what when you always love to a- ask this of, of other performers whether it's musicians or singers when you go well, if you're off and you have some downtime and if you and you know when COVID's not here, when you go out to some other club and listen to other other musicians or singers or whatever, what do you look for? What do you hope to hear from other musicians to be entertained? What makes you have a good musical evening listening to other people? Yeah, it's it's all about the creativity for me. I mean, obviously, the longer we've been doing this, and I've been doing it for a couple of thousand years, I think, <laughs> but the, the longer that we've been doing it, the more... Mat- mat- to particular we get we get about you know 
the other performers. Mm-hmm. And the, the more intently do we listen to them, I listen for, you know, you know, and singers, their addiction, their expression. Mm-hmm. But I mostly listen to myself and say, are they touching me? Is a horn player touching me? You know, is a bass player touching me? Am I right. getting it inside internally, spiritually? That's the bottom line for me at this point and at this age. Mm-hmm. And what about what about writing? Do you write? Do you write your own stuff sometimes? I gave up writing for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but seriously, but you did you? For a Jewish guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, no, seriously, but did you did you write? Do you still write? Did you ever? Or, or is oh, that you know, I, I've I've had I've had hundreds, maybe thousands of songs that I've written in my lifetime. But you know, it seems that my creativity is much more based on the composition on the spot. I'm being in a situation with musicians that are feeding me stuff and allowing me to create melodies and stuff. So it's not like the writing like I used to do. I don't write songs anymore. I quit. I don't want to. Okay. Okay. And that, you know what? That's, that's as a creative person, yeah, you should, life's too short to spend a lot of time doing something you really don't want to do. So I, I you know. Exactly. Um, exactly. And so who, tell, now tell me the two gentlemen you'd mentioned before. Who, who else are your influences? Who do you like to listen to recordings of? John Coltrane, in this order, John Coltrane and Michael Brecker. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Michael Brecker. I'm not familiar with that name. Well, Michael Brecker, I would say, is the greatest saxophone player that we've heard since since John Coltrane's been gone. Okay, and is he? Uh, is and much he... to my amazement, I've seen him on every place on the web. You know, as as uh, you know, a soloist with his with his own bands, mm-hmm. uh, working with Herbie Hancock and people like that with those bands, uh, playing for Joni Mitchell, uh, playing for James Taylor. He did. Everything. Wow. And amazingly. And is he is he still with us? Is he a younger guy, an older guy, Mr. Brecker? Oh, unfortunately, we we let yeah. we lost him. Okay. About um, about fifteen twenty years ago now. Oh, okay. And how how about Very young? How about how about young young guys coming up there that are around now, sax players? Who do you who do you like? I'm I'm not listening to any of them. Okay. Not only am I not listening to any of them. You know, I mean, I've heard them, mind you, but I'm I'm not going out of my way to listen to any younger guys or, or any older guys. Basically, I just listen to those two guys. Those are the two guys that inspire me to go where I need to go. Mm-hmm. So at this point of the game, I've stopped listening to. I mean, a lot of you find out like Sonny Rollins and a lot of the other guys that played. They they stopped listening to the radio and they stopped listening to other players completely. I think there becomes a point where we almost got to do that. You just got to listen to you yeah. and try to develop you to the max that you can. Yeah. And what about, are you someone who, um, uh, when you have downtime, like in between gigs or something, do you, do you play every day? Is it important for you to play a little bit every day? You know, it's funny. Um, piano, yes, because mm-hmm. that's my weakest suit. And there's more information that gets transferred over to my, my, my horn playing from the harmony on piano and whatever. But no, I don't seem to practice the flute or the saxophone every day, but I practice quite, I still practice quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff yet to learn. And, you know, it always fascinates me when great players tell me what they're studying and 
I go get the book and then I'll talk to another great player. I'll say, like, I, I talked to the saxophone player, Azar Lawrence. He took uh, John Coltrane's place in the Elvin Jones band. He's a friend of mine. So I said, Azar, have you ever worked out of that, uh, that Yusef Latif book? He said, no, but I was studying with Yusef when he wrote it. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. So, you know, that's, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole net level of a different level of, um, artistic and and spiritual and music experience Mm -hmm. so what so what's michael what's on your musical bucket list what have you not done uh that you'd like to do Uh, big uh, playing jazz in new york city okay and playing jazz with herbie hancock oh okay i would have said with chick but we just lost him two weeks ago yeah so are you are you pretty confident that's going to happen one day absolutely okay good well, that's if, if it isn't, I'm going to have to come back and do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got to be confident. I love you know. You got to believe. Know that. Know that. Some, know in your heart that something's going to happen. And that's going to make it manifest itself. So now, t- t- tell me, Sunday the jazz uh, jam, pro jazz jam is Sunday one to four, the uh, Palm yeah. Canyon Roadhouse, the backyard jazz patio. Now, how many people does it seat? Do you have to make reservations? Because I'm, I'm assuming they're limiting seating. Yes. You know, uh, Greg told me, the owner, that they had 70 people that had gone through there on Sunday, which I was amazed because we only had two days to promote it, Mm -hmm. two days in one evening the way it went down, and we had a lot of people. And I'm seeing all my friends and all my fans and lots of people I don't know. Mm -hmm. All the tables are way separated. Okay. You know, you come in, you got to buy a little bit of food before you get any booze. Mm -hmm. And the vibe was like just wonderful, Bonnie. Yeah. Well, I know people, I mean, if people, you come in, if you come in, you can sing with us. Oh, well, thank you. Wow. I feel honored. I feel special. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think it's, people are so desperate to get out. I mean, people feel like they've been like in a cage for a year. I know that people are really desperate to get out, get outside, see friends, even if your tables are spaced out, that's okay. Come in with your mask. But um, yeah, as long as people, I'm just hoping that people, and I understand that feeling. We all want to get out. We all want live music. We all want to go see it. We all want to perform. But I'm just hoping that people stay smart about it so that we don't get just too far ahead of ourselves and start seeing numbers go way back up and then kind of get locked down again. I'm just hoping that people take those baby steps so that we can finally really get to where we need to be and everybody's healthy and vaccinated and that we can we can relax more and get out there, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, once we get this herb immunity thing going... That's going to help, yeah. I think we're already starting to yeah. see some big changes. Yeah. I had my first shot about two weeks ago and I guess next week I have my second shot. All right, good for you. All right, Michael Carr, we're out of time. Let's go see him Sunday. Pro Jam, Palm Canyon Roadhouse, 1 to 4 p.m., Backyard Jazz Patio. Congratulations. Have a great jam on Sunday. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Bonnie. Appreciate you. Okay. We'll be right back on the Culture Corner in a bit. You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza, talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. Welcome back to The Culture Corner. We're going to finally end on some news about coming to America. Now, coming to the number two America. Number two. Yes. Number two has actually come, has finally been released on Amazon Prime. I have not seen it yet just because I want to rewatch the original, but the original coming to America is... It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves that movie. It's a classic movie from the 80s, which follows Akeem <laughs> Jafar, the prince of a fictional African country, Zumada, 
who travels to the United States in search of a bride. Mm. And, you know, the film itself has gained a big re positive reputation. It is mm -hmm. a great movie, great comedy, and one of the movies that made Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. a real and star. And Arsenio Hall's in that too, isn't he? Yes, yeah. Arsenio yeah. Hall. And uh, James Earl Jones yes. was his father, right? James yeah. Earl Jones. Yeah. So many great people yeah. are in it. And the one of the things is that, like, uh, the, one of the things that Coming to America did was that it, it really was, like, sort of, like, this touchstone in having a lot of black actors in a comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's great because when you watch a com when you realize that laughs have no race is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a black comedian can make you laugh as much, as hard as anybody <laughs> else. You right. know what I mean? And in some cases, like... Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I relate more to black comedians because of their struggles because I'm a person of color too. So it's like some of the things. But with that being said, now one of the things about coming to America is that over the years it's gotten not only praise, but there's there's also this sort of conversation that recently started, which was having another character, Maurice, who's played by a white actor named Louis Anderson. Now the character was not originally going to be played by a white character, mm -hmm. by a white actor. I mean. Um, Eddie Murphy said on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week that he felt that the studio was pushing for a white character joining the cast because, as he quoted, Paramount was like, because the whole cast is black and this was back in the 80s, so it was like, there has to be one white person in the movie. And I was like, what? So who was the funniest white guy around? We knew Louis was cool, so that's how Louis got in the movie. Mm -hmm. He said that he loves Louis. But he did feel that Louis was put in the movie because there was this sort of idea of, well, we got to include you one white to, person. Yeah, yeah. And my my thought is that it, it doesn't surprise me one bit because recently there was another thing that happened where Netflix, uh, not themselves, not the studio head, but the producers of a movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before, before Netflix kind of stepped in and said, hey, let the film be what it was going to originally be. The producers had actually told the author of that of the book, Je uh, Jenny Hall Han, they told her, can we change the ethnicity of the Asian lead into a white girl? Because they think it'd be more profitable. But Jenny Han said that part of the reason why she... Um, you know, she she felt that she needed to be an Asian character because mm -hmm. she wrote an Asian character. That's what she wrote. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Crazy Rich Asians, funny enough, they actually tried to they were actually thinking about changing the ethnicities too for that movie, which is kind of strange to me because I think the title Crazy Rich Asians. Hello. <laughs> what are you going to make them, you know, Mexican now? You're going to make them Irish? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's such a strange thing, but it it seems that it, it's. It's not surprising, but it is a little disappointing to, hear, disappointing to hear. Even though in the case of Coming to America, it, it did work out. Louis Anderson is one of the bigger, better parts of it. Now, my question is, this new part two, did they have the same directive in this one? No, I think what they did was that they wanted to keep it... They, I think they had more freedom to do what they wanted. wanted okay. And I think that at this Partly point... Partly because the first one was so successful, that didn't hurt. No, so no. they figured, oh, we'll let them do whatever they want because it was a big hit. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And another thing is that the reviews are, you know, they're mixed reviews saying that it feels like it's a retread. But that's like a whole thing. About, that's a whole conversation about whether or not some movies should have sequels. Mm -hmm. Louis Anderson is back in the movie and he's still pretty funny. I think he's a funny character in the movie. Uh, I always liked him. Yeah. And for me, it's one of those things where it's, it's more about the conversation, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's not surprising, but... You know, coming to America, 
you know, I'm not surprised that the sequel came out and it's getting the reviews that it's getting. But they said that um, that they might make a third one eventually, which um, Eddie Murphy has joked, I'll be 75 when that happens because it'll be another 16 years afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's... With a couple issues here. First of all, yeah, I, Holly, I, I wish Hollywood had a little more imagination because it seems like sometimes they just keep redoing stuff over and over and over and over again. Or they'll even take like a movie like Silence of the Lambs and now they have this this series oh, called right. Clarice. It's like how many episodes are going to have? You know, it's like sometimes I wish they would come up with more original ideas instead of just rehashing and doing five, three, four, five, six sequels to stuff. It's, it's you know? In some cases like Punky Brewsto, I never... I never thought of that as something that could come back, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. I think that sometimes that they look at a property that made a little bit of money and they see, well, we still have the stars around. Let's bring them back. Yeah. I think that in the case of Clarice, we t- there was a story that we didn't really talk about, but it's fine because like, when I think about it, I don't know if I really want to see another Science of the Lambs retread. Yeah, well, first of all, because there was Hannibal Lecter, there were two other movies with Hannibal Lecter besides Science of the Lambs. Why do you need to make a television show out of it? I just don't. And for me, you know. and for me, it's also because I know that they want to do this thing where they want to have an episode dedicated to talking about Buffalo Bill because they have a trans writer on the show, Jen Richards, that she'll come on and talk right. about it. And that's fine. But it's also one of those things where it's like I think those conversations can be had in person. And I don't need. I don't. I don't think we need to bring back like Clarice yeah. or. It just feels like the reboots. I don't really hate them inherently, but even in the case of this week with um, Paramount Plus, half of those movies we talked about last week were reboots, like yeah. Flashdance, Flight, mm-hmm. Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I get kind of tired of seeing like reboots to some extent. It's like, yeah. it's like. I don't need to see a Flashdance TV show because I can just watch the yeah, movie exactly. and get it done. It's, yeah, I, I, that's one of the things that really... But, you know, the, it's interesting. I just think it's, it's interesting. All, on the news, a lot of it's sort of been similar themes. Is We, human beings, you know, we're all... I would just wish everybody would just embrace it. You know, human beings are human beings. We're all in this together. We're all here on planet Earth for, you know, figure out why you're here. And then, you know... Everybody has a right to be here. Everybody has a right to love, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all that kind of stuff. And stop, you know, really we're all this. We're all so much more the same than we are different in our brains and our hearts and our souls. And stop, just stop with judging and hating because somebody's different or their skin color is different or their, you know, who they date. It doesn't matter. We're all human beings. And I just wish people would just let that stuff go. You know, that's a good message to leave on the show with because I think throughout the episode we've had a lot of conversations about the Dr. Seuss situation mm-hmm. and I think that coming to America and we just kind of have to look beyond our yeah. worldview and, and sort of that's see. What more variety makes the world go around. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much to think of all the different cultures and, and, and all the wonderful richness and music and, and theater and the, that different cultures are brought to us. I mean, it's what makes life interesting. Oh, yeah. And Gosh. it's one of those things where the culture corner, we yeah. mean Cultures. That's right. Cultures. Cultures. All all inclusive cultures. Thank you so much to our guests. I know we had a couple of phone, you know, t- um, technical things, but thank you to our guests. Um, happy birthday again, Sandra. Um, great show. Lots of news. We'll be back. Stay safe out there. We'll be back next week with more on the Culture Corner. And stay tuned next week. We're going to debut Sandra Booker's song on here. So not only do you get fun commentary, but you also get music. So there you go. You have a good day, everybody. And stay safe.